Our Old Testament lesson today spoke of some ways that our neighbor is loved. Our neighbor is loved when we don't take everything we possibly might, but we leave some for those less fortunate. Our neighbor is loved when we do not steal. Our neighbor is loved when we honor them as human beings. We're going to continue with this idea of love. John, 1 John chapter 4, beginning with verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this way, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because he first loved us. Those who say, I love God, and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. The commandment we have from him is this. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. Let us pray. Lord, use your servant's lips your people's ears and hearts, that they may be wed, that the seed of your word might be planted and brought forth with a resurrection joy. Amen and amen. In English, we use the word love so often that it is almost meaningless. I love Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I love the mountain air. I love it when I get home and can kick back in my easy chair with a fire going and read one of my favorite books. I love lemon cookies. 
We use the word love so often that sometimes its power and its meaning escape us. As I have said in the last couple of weeks, my tagline is to live, to love, to learn, to leave a legacy. Last week, we talked about living, the physical aspect of love. We love God with our bodies, with our lips, with our ability to think and to move and to serve today. I want to talk a bit about loving God, loving others, to live, to love, and later on we'll speak of learning and leaving a legacy. When we talk about love, though, we apply it to all kinds of things. However, in the ancient world, there were much more specific ways that people might look at loves. If you're a C.S. Lewis fanatic like me, you know that C.S. Lewis has written a work called The Four Loves, in which he talks about the four primary expressions of love in the Greco-Roman world. Now, there were a couple of others that he didn't get into, but the four primary ones are those that we can identify with to a degree. The four loves might be categorized in this way. The first would be a kind of romantic love. Eros is the Greek term for that. It's, from, it's the root from which we get the term erotic. It is the love between a husband and wife. It is the love between a boyfriend and a girlfriend. It's the love that causes you to have seen your son or your daughter every Friday night for 15 years, and then suddenly Friday nights are not open anymore. It is the kind of love that has a, a sexualized component to it. It's an erotic experience. And much of what we have, uh, even, even selling tires on billboards, appeals to this kind of eros. The romantic love, the love of one for his or her beloved. The second kind of love, if you remember from your middle school history days, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's why you can walk around in Philadelphia at 2.45 a.m. and not fear anything because, you know, it's the city of brotherly love after all, or at least was at one time. Phileo, the verb... Philos, the noun, it is a kind of love that is the love of friends, the love of, of brothers. It is, it is friendship at its best. Now, this kind of love actually not only encourages but almost demands reciprocity. In the song that we just sang, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, I'm always amused by that line, do thy friends despise forsake thee? No. <laughs> They're not my friends anymore if they despise forsake me. Take it to the Lord in prayer. But there's this, there's this love of friendship where we invest in one another, where iron sharpens iron where one person and another person, because of something common that they have or some personality style, they fit together. 
And so, we have the love of friends. There's a kind of instinctual love. In Greek, this is storge. It's often described as the love a mother has for a child or a father has for a child. But it's actually wider than that. It, it has a proximity connotation. People who are close to one another. And if you think about it, if you work in an office with, with 100 cubicles, you're, you're closer to those that are closer to you than you typically are to those who live on the other side of the office. Those who do their work way over there, you feel a kind of a kinship with the person who's next to you. It, it happens in neighborhoods too. If you see a moving truck pull up to your neighbor's house, your next door neighbor, you'll think, well, I bet that's somebody cleaning them out in the middle of the day. And you'll go over and you'll say, what in the world are you doing? But five houses down, the moving truck comes up and you're like, huh, they're probably moving today. There's something about proximity, about closeness. If you sit in the same seat every week, you, you know the people in your pew are right in front of you or, or right behind you in a way that you might not know the people up in the balcony or in the choir. There is this instinctual love of those who are close to us. We might not have anything in common with each other except for our proximity happened to have been born in the same family, happened to sit in the same pew, happened to live on the same street, but that creates a kind of a loyalty, that creates a kind of affection that is actually quite strong. And then there's agape. There's love for all. It is the love for humanity. Now, Christians have taken this term agape and have applied it to the love of God for the world. Christians have taken this to be the pristine example of love that we might develop, that we might have, that God through his grace might fill us with so that we can then in turn share that love with the world. And in Christian theology, it is such an important concept that in the Eastern Orthodox Church, Eastern Orthodox theologians say that if you go into the world and you live agape, then somehow mysteriously you are caught up into the life of God. And God shares his very life and essence with you as you go and live agape. So we're called... We are called to be loved and to love. And most of us participate in one or more of the kinds of loves that we've just talked about in our ordinary lives. Those of us who are married might know eros. If we're lucky, we know friendship in a real and meaningful way, not just a hi, how are you doing way, but a sense in which we can share the challenges. How is your soul? You look down today, tell me about it. What's wrong? You know I won't judge. I will simply listen. 
We know this instinctual love because we had this affection for people that we can't really explain, but then when we think about it, it's because they're close to us. And this agape, this agape we struggle to grasp and to get our hands on. It can be a challenge for us to receive love. And that's one of the things that we're called to do is to receive love. It can be a challenge for us. In fact, there are people who have had such bad luck with relationships that they say, I'm done with it. I'm not dating anybody anymore. The best I can hope for is good friendships because either I stink at it or everybody else stinks at it or we all stink at it, but I'm done with, with, with eros. There are some who have been burned by friendship. They've had this kind of friendship that they really believed was meaningful. They believed they could share anything. And then they did share something, and all of a sudden, something changed in the words of the hymn. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee, came true. And suddenly the friendship just wasn't friendship anymore. It can be a challenge because those that we had the instinct to love might move away or become more distant from us, and it is especially sometimes a challenge for us to receive the love of God. I stand here today as a pastor in front of a congregation. You may listen, you may not, but I declare to you that God's agape love reaches out to you. God loves you. God loves you despite what you did that night when you were 19 that you've regretted ever since. God loves you even though he knows the deepest thoughts of your heart. Aren't you glad the people around you don't know the deepest thoughts of your heart? God loves you, even though you've made mistake after mistake after mistake. This is agape. Agape is self-giving love. And the definition of agape in 1 John is that not that we loved God, but that God loved us and gave his only son for us. Now, there there is a whole world full of people, many, many, many of which will look at that truth and shrug and say, oh well. But there are some. You. Me. Those gathered in places to worship and to pray today. There are some who can say in response to God's agape, thank you, thank you, thank you. There are challenges to receive it. Your history, your thoughts, your own sense of your own unworthiness. And yet agape doesn't depend on your worthiness. God loves you not because you are lovable. God loves you because God is love. 
God loves you because this self-giving love is at the center of who God is. It can be a challenge for us to receive, but it can be a choice for us to give. Any of these loves that are real in the world, any of these loves we participate in, we choose romantic love. We attempt to be good friends and neighbors. But oh dear friends, this, this agape, this word that comes up over and over again in 1 John, this self-giving love, the world doesn't know about self-giving love. There's always an agenda, always something that someone wants back in return. Which is why in the Gospels, Jesus says when you throw a party, don't throw a party for those who can invite you back to one. Because that's just one thing for another. That's just quid pro quo. When you throw a party, invite the poor and the lame, the blind. Invite those who could never invite you back because in doing so, you will be sharing the love of God. You will be expressing this love like God has given to you. And as Christians, we do have the opportunity to live and to love and to learn and to leave a legacy. We do have this opportunity to both embrace love in its fullness. And I would argue that, that each of those facets of love can make us into a whole and holy person if developed healthily. But not only do we have the opportunity to receive and to develop our own way and, and, and form of loving and being loved, but we have the responsibility, we have the responsibility to give love in return. Jesus puts it this way, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Some of you may be in, have been in churches where, where people didn't love each other. There are churches out there, and, and I've been in one for, for a little while, where, where there were people that sat on this side and this side. People on this side went out that door. The people on this side went out that door. And never did the twain meet. You didn't know by their actions, that they were followers of Jesus Christ. Our, our text that we read earlier, let us love one another for love is from God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God. And God abides in them. One of the things that I want to encourage you through this series to do is to think about next steps. In any project, in anything worth doing, 
whether it has two steps or, or whether it goes out over the next five years, there is a next step that you need to take. And you need to think about what is the next step that I need to take. Last week, I encouraged you to live. What's the next step? Do you need to call the doctor? Do you need to join a gym? Do you need to set aside some time to, to, to refresh yourself? Well, today I want you to, to think about the next step to love. What is your next step? Maybe... Maybe for, for those of you who are, are married, maybe the next step is to get a babysitter for Thursday night because you haven't been on a date in three years, seven months, and five days. And just do it. Maybe the next step has to do with friendship. That you have broken off a friendship that once you were close and now you have grown distant and you need to say by phone call or text message or even dropping by someone's office. I appreciate you and I wish that we got to spend more time together. Maybe this instinctual love, you need to bake some cookies some peanut butter cookies and hope that your neighbor doesn't say, what are you trying to kill me? I'm allergic to peanut butter. In which case you have your back up and you can bring me the peanut butter cookies. Or maybe you need to accept this. Maybe you need to accept that with all your flaws, that in spite of your past, God loves you and reaches out to you. And you, embracing that love, can go into the world and love people who can't do anything for you in return. You can just be a person through whom God's agape flows into this world around us. Live. Love. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.